Welcome to the first episode of the Guidehouse Insights podcast, Plugged In. This episode is titled Healthy Homes in the Age of Staying Home. We're going to do monthly deep dives on energy industry topics from sustainable aviation fuels to distributed electricity generation, maybe some topics around smart cities. My name is Edie Wilson, and I am a research analyst on the Guidehouse Insights team. My research interests range from aviation decarbonization to micromobility, which is the daily movements of people around cities and how we can make those movements more energy efficient, safe, and comfortable. And I'm joined by Gemma. Yeah, thanks, Edie. My name's Gemma. Um, I work very closely with Edie but I'm in the London team, in case you hadn't realized Edie is in the US. I'm uh, also an analyst on the team at Guidehouse Insights. Unlike Edie, most of my research focuses on the hydrogen industry and looking at ways that we can decarbonize heavily emitting sectors such as industry, cement, and chemicals. I also cover a wide range of other topics like distributed natural gas generation, as well as corporate sustainability. So for this episode, we have the honor of speaking to Bill Hughes about healthy homes. Bill is a principal research analyst on the Guidehouse Insights team with a focus on building automation and control within the built environment. His background includes three decades of experience in technology marketing and strategy business planning. So to kick it off, Bill, what is the report you're discussing today? The name of the report is Healthy Homes. It relates to, uh, as you said, uh, smart homes and the particular application of healthy homes. It was published in the fourth quarter of 2022. So let's just take a step back and introduce the listeners to the topic. What is a healthy home? What is healthy home technology? And how does it differ exactly from smart home technology, which I think we all know what it is. It's, you know, smart fridges that talk to you or Alexa or Google and Nest, et cetera, et cetera. Actually, that's a good point. There, there are a lot of ways to define smart homes. The way that I have approached it is that there are five general categories. One is, as you referred to, it deals with comfort and convenience. The ability to tell a smart speaker that you want something done and it happens automatically is a wonderful thing. And and that's just one application of a smart home. A second one has to do with your heating, ventilation, and air conditioning system. Uh, A smart home can include a smart thermostat. Um, Some of them allow you to connect in remotely and adjust the temperature. Uh, Others track when you're around and it'll automatically adjust the temperature within the house. That's also a smart home. Third category is security. Uh, There are passive security systems have been around for for decades. Smart home security is that much smarter and can anticipate when it's a false alarm and know when there are signals that show that it is not a false alarm. Then There's a whole category of energy management systems that help you manage the energy use within your home for solar panels and battery storage. The final category is what I call healthy homes. 
And that includes a number of categories, including indoor air quality, which is a big one, uh, consumer home health equipment, telemedicine, which comes from a medical professional. And then finally, there's a catch-all category uh, for all of the up-and-coming technologies. And why did you become interested in the healthy homes category of smart homes specifically? Well, smart homes has been getting a lot of interest from a lot of people. It just takes a conventional home to the next level. Um, so one of the areas that has been growing like crazy has been the convenience side. There's also been the growth of heating, ventilation, and air conditioning systems. But healthy homes doesn't seem to have the same attraction, the same visibility that the other applications do. And I think that's unfortunate because our homes are where we go to enjoy ourselves and feel safe. And there's a lot of new technology that's up and coming that isn't quite getting the awareness that it deserves. When people think of healthy homes, you mentioned that there's a lot that people don't necessarily know about or it's not getting enough attention. What are the categories that people really do, like when you say healthy homes, people automatically know them? Well, the big one has been indoor air quality. And obviously the coronavirus pandemic has generated a lot of awareness about how clean is that air in your home if you have a lot of people and somebody uh, becomes infected. So it created a great deal of awareness. But also in several regions of the globe, there have been a spate of wildfires that have really affected the local air quality. And so people have been forced indoors in order to get away from the worst of it. Um, but there is technology that you can get that will make sure that you're protected from the worst of those conditions. Yeah, that's really interesting. And based off of that, what are the kind of indoor air quality issues that we usually see arising around the world? One of the ones that has been... A challenge for a long time, very well known, is the presence of radon gas. Radon is in the earth, and it's radioactive, and it tends to accumulate in basements unless you know about it and mitigate it. It's pretty much colorless and odorless, but if you breathe it over an extended period of time, it has some very adverse consequences, um, probably the worst of which is lung cancer. So there are tools and techniques and services that you can get to protect you from them. It's relatively easy to mitigate, but most people just don't know that it's an issue within their home. Then there are issues with dust, pollen, and dander. Now, many of us are aware that people with breathing problems have issues with that. And the solutions, again, are pretty straightforward. It's just that we as humans aren't very good at determining whether it's an issue or whether it's not within your home. That's fascinating. And so moving on to consumer health equipment and telemedicine, what does that incorporate? There are a number of devices that you can acquire and you can plug into your house. Much of the telemedicine equipment, which comes from a medical provider, it typically deals with chronic issues that if it isn't running, then someone's going to face severe consequences. They'll either have to get some kind of power into the system or they're going to have to go into a hospital or some other medical facility in order to just survive. By linking into smart home technology, you simplify that process. 
with consumer home health equipment, instead of being provided by the medical system, whatever is appropriate in the local area, it's something that the individual has gone out and bought for themselves in order to improve their lifestyle or address a chronic issue. These are less life critical and they're more with improving the quality of your life. But by integrating them with a smart home and with smart features and smart energy, they're able to perform that much better and achieve better outcomes. Okay, so I want to go back to indoor air quality um, because you've really emphasized that. And that's definitely something that's been a concern for me at different points. I'm wondering what are some of the challenges to making sure that indoor air quality is at a good standard? And I know that you touched on the COVID pandemic being a driving force, but I'm wondering if there are any other driving forces today in 2023 that are really causing people to actually pay attention to indoor air quality. The interesting thing about indoor air quality is that it's rarely top of mind unless there's some kind of an incident. It can be big like smoke from a wildfire. It can be a pandemic. But often the way we notice that there's an issue is that we find mold in the house. And sometimes that mold is relatively benign and can be cleaned up easily. Other times it's a sign that the home is sick and that there's improper ventilation, there's too much humidity. We as humans just aren't a very good, uh, we don't have good sensors in order to pick up whether there's a problem with indoor air quality. And so that creates a problem two ways. One, we don't know there's a problem until there's a problem with the house, or we inadvertently spend too much time cleaning clean air that's just a big waste of time. The whole question of ventilation within the home is one of those things that we don't know that we have a problem until there's a very obvious problem. And then things can be fine in certain rooms and be problems in other rooms. And again, we just don't know until, until bad things happen. Another factor that's a challenge is that sometimes the problem doesn't arise for decades later. I mean, for example, in the case of radon, if you live in a house that has a radon issue, the impact won't show up for decades later. And by then it's far too late. That's really interesting. And I think you've touched on issues that affect everybody across the globe. For example, COVID pandemic and mold. But looking a little bit closer and zooming in a little bit more, what kind of regional differences do you see in the healthy homes market? And do you find that there are any region-specific concerns that are driving healthy home technology growth? There are some strong regional influences when it comes to healthy homes. First, many Asian countries have issues with air quality outside. And so there are often solutions that are put on on the inside. So that has a big impact. Um, I live in the Pacific Northwest. We had big issues with wildfires. They've gotten worse over the last several years. Another important factor is the nature of the healthcare system. Um, the healthcare system varies dramatically in different regions. In Latin America, Middle East, and Africa, people have much more responsibility for acquiring certain health tools for use at home than they might in other regions. 
the issue of healthy home technology varies dramatically from region to region. Okay, so one region that I want to zoom in on is some of the Nordic countries and uh, the topic of net zero homes. You touched on this in your report, and I thought it was really interesting. What are some of the issues to having a healthy home when you're also trying to have a net zero home? Over the last several decades, heating in a residential home has involved in putting in heating equipment and in some cases, many cases, cooling equipment, but it assumes that there's a certain displacement of the air that is important to keep the air refreshed. But there hasn't been a whole lot of focus on keeping that level of impingement from outside air other than to make sure that you're just not spending a lot of time heating outside air, which let's say that it's cold outside, you have to heat it up to room temperature. And conversely, if it's hot outside, you have to bring it down to room temperature. When you deal with net zero homes, what you want to do is you want to seal up that home so you reduce the amount of outside air that you have to either heat or cool. When you seal up the home, you run the risk of creating pockets or even for the whole home of having inadequate ventilation, which creates a problem both with humidity where you can get mold, but also the indoor pollutants such as pollen, mold, and dust. So you have to have a plan in order to make sure that you have the right level of airflow throughout the house to keep it healthy, but low enough to economize so that you don't have to spend the energy to adjust the temperature of the incoming air. If you don't do it right, you get an unhealthy home. So you have saved energy, but you have the unfortunate consequence of making people sick. So when you deal with a net zero home, they have to be very careful to ensure that there's the proper level of ventilation within the home. And that takes an extra step. And that is something that's unfamiliar for many people that are not familiar with the concept that there's a great deal of airflow that's going through their conventional home. It seems obvious once you have it laid out, if you seal up your home, you're not going to have as much airflow. Um, you seal it up completely, no airflow, which would be bad. Right. Um, but I I think like it's not necessarily something I automatically think of. It's a very unfamiliar concept because homes are traditionally built that have a lot of air infiltration and we just don't think about it. You would think you would go to the logical extreme but then you would cut off all airflow and obviously that wouldn't be good for the people within the house. Yeah, not at all. I also was wondering, and this caught my attention because I used to live in Beijing and basically every building that I was in had some sort of air filter um, to clean up the air quality. And you were speaking about air quality issues. We've talked about that a lot. Um, but what are some issues with air filters that people have? How people relate to air filters in their home is a fascinating study. A rule of thumb is that about 30% of the people have never changed their air filters. And if an air filter stays within the HVA system too long, it actually is counterproductive. It starts generating pollutants and mold and mildew, and it just makes things worse in addition to being damaging to the equipment. There's a lot of advertising encouraging us to change our filters, 
but it's just not something that people want to do because it's dirty, hard, complicated. And unless you change those filters with an indoor air quality system, it's just a big waste of time and money. Yeah, I think I'm pretty sure that my roommate and I did not change our air filter for almost a year. So we were probably one of the people you're talking about who, yeah, we're not changing our filter. I think we're... How how often do you even have to change a filter? There's a lot of debate on that. Most of what I've seen is every three months is a good rule of thumb. Some places I've seen say change them monthly. When you add some indoor air quality, you have many more filters. And so there's both the challenge of keeping track of all the different timing and size of the air filters. Um, But the fact is, is that most of us aren't that conscientious. What happens a lot is that people will go to a, a large store, buy a bundle of air filters for their house. They'll run through them and the last one will stay there for six months, nine months, a year before they remember to go and buy them at the store. We're human beings. But this is one of those things that if you are concerned about having a healthy home, this is a very low cost and low cost, I mean, $10, $20, but you can go crazy and spend 40 50 $60 on a filter. But the most important thing is to change it regularly. Well, now well, I know. Nice. Top tip from, from Bill. If you haven't yet this month, go change your air filter. And listen to this podcast at least once a month to remind you, <laughs> to remind yeah. yourself of how important that is. Exactly. Well, Bill, so I think we've hopped around the shop today a lot. We've covered every single region. We've talked about air filters, wildfires, indoor air quality, telemedicine, but just before we let you go and get back on with your day, is there anything else that we haven't mentioned that you have a burning desire to share with the world? Yes. When it comes to manufacturers that are thinking about getting into the smart home market, there's a wonderful opportunity out there. It's unfortunate that there aren't more companies that are jumping in with both feet into the smart home market. It's going to let their competition get a head start. And that's unfortunate. My hope for them is that they will better understand what smart homes are about, recognize that it's more than just smart thermostats and smart speakers, and realize this is an opportunity to differentiate their product and help their customers develop their healthy homes. Well, that's amazing. Thank you so much, Bill, for joining us today. I think we will conclude the podcast there. But once again, if you haven't changed your smart filter yet this year, it's probably about time because we are in March. And as for myself that I don't have a air filter, I will go and open my windows. If you want to learn more about this report, it's available on the Guidehouse Insights page. You can navigate towards there. We'll put the link in the description. If you want to keep up to date with the podcast, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever else you get your podcasts. We'll be recording them monthly and we'd love to have you listen to the amazing and interesting things that the analysts have to say, because we really do have some really interesting reports that our colleagues have been writing. Once again, as Edie said earlier, we will be covering topics beyond building efficiency And it will be, you know, everything ranging from hydrogen to smart street lighting, 
from aviation and micromobility far, far beyond that. So thank you very much to everyone for joining us. And we're looking forward to everyone joining us again in April. And lastly, we do want to just thank Guidehouse for providing us with this platform for discussion. And if you want to keep up to date with larger Guidehouse Insights work, we have an Industry Insights blog page on the website. And you can find us at www.guidehouseinsights.com. Thanks again and see you next month. Before we sign off, I'd like to tell a joke. Please go ahead, Bill. You've You've been making us laugh all day. So I have this rental property and I put in insulation in the ceilings. I put in triple pane windows. I sealed it up, but made sure that there was balanced ventilation. And still, for some reason, my electric bills have been through the roof. So I called up the renter and I said, you know, I I don't understand what's happening with the electric bill. I'd like to come over and talk to you about it. He said, sure, come on over anytime. My door is always open. (laughs) That's a good one. I like it. I like it.